Welcome back to the Sooners Extra podcast brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I'm your host, Abby Bitterman, joined by uh, fellow beat writer Ryan Aber, who's uh, back on the beat this week after his uh, surgery last week, and columnist Barry Trammell. Barry, do you want to go 1-0 and this week? I want to get all my stuff done by noon Friday. Is that can, If that's a victory, then yeah, 1-0 is good. Um, you're trying to be funny. You're trying to uh, get my blood up about Jalen Hurts. I am. And you're somewhat succeeding. Um, <laughs> I wonder if, J- wonder if Jalen Hurts can run real fast with a 2x4 stuck in his butt. We're, gonna, we're about to find out because he's, he's starting to become unbearable is what he's starting to be. So, well, to, to be fair... That two by four has been there pretty much all season. There's been a couple times when it seems like it's eased out a bit, but it's uh, as firmly lodged as it's been all year for sure. Yeah, he's he used to have some interesting things to say and uh, some charms the wrong word, but some you know he had some uh, cue appeal, but he's losing all that for crying out loud. I mean, he's making. Yeah, the- He's making Kyler Murray, you know, seem loquacious. So, I don't I th- know what his deal is. I thought we were going to get something fun when his answer started with, you know, the crazy thing is, and then it just pivoted back to wanting yeah. to go one and know this week. Yeah, it wasn't the least bit. It wasn't the least bit crazy outside of just the madness of it all. So here, yeah, you know, here's the, here's the deal about Jalen Hurts. He's in serious trouble because he didn't come here to go to the Alamo Bowl. He didn't come here to go to the Sugar Bowl. He came here to go to the college football playoff. And now they're on the edge of the cliff. Another loss knocks them out. But even if they went out, you know, it's looking pretty squishy for the Sooners to make it. So, I don't know. He, I, I think he's feeling quite a bit of pressure just on, you know, he had some he had some grand ideals, and, and can't blame him. Everybody did, but they certainly in Manhattan, Kansas, uh, some of those things slipped from the grasp. Yeah, they did. But you know, at least the one thing is we didn't hear keep the main thing the main thing uh, on Monday. Of course. Well, I think the main thing is like going one and zero. Yeah. Apparently so. Yeah. You know, I asked him. You know, t- two weeks ago, he's he, just out of the blue. He said, you know, you know, you guys never asked me about the opponent. So I remembered that, and I thought, I'm going to ask him about the opponent. So I asked him a question about Iowa State's defense, and he gave me a very um, innocuous answer. Could have been said about any team they played. And then a little bit later, I gave him a specific question about Iowa State's defense and how it relates to the rest of the Big 12. The fact that Iowa State plays a certain way against these air raids very little pass rush, dropping a bunch of guys, keeping everybody in front of them, and the, how that has spread to the rest of the league. And I asked him if you know if he'd seen that from the other teams they've played and, and what Iowa State's doing. Before the Kansas State game, the college football playoff committee really didn't matter to you guys. Now you've got a loss, it sort of does. They sort of hold your fate in, in their hands. Will you, will you pay attention to what they come up with tomorrow night? Well, you know what's crazy is what matters to me is being one and know this week. Was that the same mentality you had the year? I sure do want to be one and know this week. 
How badly do you want to be one and know this week? <laughs> Pretty damn bad. And he didn't even address the, the question. He just talked about the same things that, that he had answered earlier. So, um, you know, even when you, even when you ask him what he says he wants to be asked about, he's not the least bit interested in, in offering any kind of insight or interesting things. What's interesting to me is that you know Ronnie Perkins came into uh, came into post practice availability yesterday and kind of told people about how um, after they got after they landed back in Oklahoma after the loss to Kansas State how Jalen Hurts got everyone together before they left the airport and you know told them that all that they want that one loss won't ruin the, their season and that their dreams can still be possible and just to me I get I get how that how Jalen Hurts can be a completely different person with his teammates but like the person that we see in front of us every Monday and after games shows no glimpse of the person that like Ronnie Perkins is describing right yeah it's all interesting to see the way that he well it's not interesting to see the way he handles us because I just I don't know that I have much interest in talking to him at this point, I think it's fascinating to hear what his teammates have to say about him and the way that he's carried himself since then because, as Barry said, you know, a lot of the things that Jalen Hurts came here for are not unattainable. There's still uh, a possibility for him to uh, achieve those things, but certainly less attainable after that loss at Kansas State. So I think it is fascinating to see how Jalen Hurts handled that Um that loss a week ago and how he's responded in the the uh whatever it is here we are uh nine days since yeah and i think it was you barry who um a couple weeks ago asked lincoln about you know what it's like getting to getting to know jalen hurts right right and he admitted it's not easy he no lincoln's lincoln said i i you know i think i have a pretty good read on him we have a pretty good relationship, but he basically said, I forgot his terminology, but he basically said it hadn't been easy, and he's pretty pretty tough nut to crack. Yeah. Yeah. Barry, I wanted to ask you something about uh, Jalen Hurts' on-the-field play, though. Uh, yesterday, there's some, some interesting lines of questions to both Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley about the options that uh, when, when Jalen Hurts is given the option to keep the ball – a lot of times he, he can also hand the ball off to either Kennedy Brooks or Trey Sermon or Mondre Stevenson or uh, decide to keep it himself. So much lately it's been keeping it himself. And as Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon combined for only six carries against Kansas State, um, not exactly sure, but I think that's probably the, the lowest all-time, at least in the modern era of what football is now at Oklahoma for, for tailback carries. Uh, what, what did you make of those lines of discussion and, and the, the way it went, which was pretty much Lincoln Riley just saying, hey, you know, we wouldn't uh, give them those options if they trusted him, but you've got to think maybe those options are, are going to be limited uh, at points moving forward. Yeah, you know, it's a great question because, you know, Hertz is OU's leading rusher and leading carrier. And, you know, I don't rem- – <laughs> He's carried a bunch. I don't remember too many times this season on those zone reads where I thought, ooh, he should have handed the ball off. Usually when he keeps it, you know, it goes pretty good. So I can't sit here and say that I, I think he's, he's kept the ball too much until 
you know, the second quarter in Manhattan and maybe even the third. There's not been yeah, one point. There's not been one point all year when you've said, "Oh, this OU offense needs to change something." That was not even a something to even think about until you know, well into that Manhattan game. Yeah, yeah I, I think the second quarter. I would say um, they had some opportunities. I thought to run the ball a little bit more. They didn't have a, didn't have the football much in the third. There, although certainly uh, that, especially that first drive after the half, they they could have uh, established the run a little bit there, but. It's uh, it's interesting because so much of the time we spent talking about uh, Oklahoma's offense and how great they were the first part of the season, and, and Lincoln Riley said, well, we don't really pay attention to numbers. We're just trying to get better. And then yesterday, or m- Monday, he was asked about uh, the offense and if something needed to change with those options. And his immediate answer was, well, we're averaging 10 yards a carry, so – something must be right so I, I don't know that Lincoln Riley can have it both ways that they don't pay attention to numbers and he immediately spouts the number when asked about if they need to uh, you know tinker with something on their offense I also think that I wouldn't and we talked about a little bit um, last week on the pod I talked about it that about it. I wouldn't say that they necessarily needed to change something before because the offensive production was incredible but um, they Still, even even before the Kansas State game, um, Jalen Hurts was still handling a bulk of the carries, and it was trending that um, the running backs were getting less and less carries per game. And just at Oklahoma, a school that's known for for its running, the running backs it produces, it's that's been that's been interesting to watch happen as Jalen Hurts kind of takes over the running game for the Sooners. Well, he's. The, the bottom line is Jalen Hurts has played extremely well. Yes. And the six carry by tailbacks a uh, week ago Saturday, that was sort of a fluke. You know, I think, yeah, well, I think 53 that's carries, is that, I mean, 53 snaps, is, I think that's what they had in Manhattan. And a bunch of plays in the fourth quarter when you're down 25, so you're not you're throwing the ball. Yeah, as Lincoln Riley pointed to, like the the situations of the game kind of dictated that they couldn't really run it. And yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it was kind of more of a more of a one time thing. But I just wonder if as the season goes on, we'll we'll see them get the ball more, or if Jalen will just keep on keeping it himself. Well, it's certainly, oh, I, it, it's I, certainly I, something I, fun to watch Saturday. Is is that that option play and how and how Jalen Hurts reads the Iowa State defense. Yeah, that will be interesting to watch to see 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 how that comes about. But you know, the other thing about those running backs versus Jalen Hurts, and I wrote about this right after the Kansas State loss, is the Jalen Hurts's uh, ball security issues at times this year, and the fact that that's not something we've seen out of Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon. They've been able to pretty well hold on to the ball during their time in Norman. Well, and you know, when you got a guy like you know, Trey Sermon's a proven commodity. This is a guy that's you know, Texas, Georgia, all kinds of people. He's answered the bell. So you know he can play. Kennedy Brooks averaging nine points, I mean, nine yards a carry for his career, for crying out loud. So the idea that Lincoln Riley would stand by and let the offense ignore those guys is sort of silly. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's why I, I think it was just a sort of a cosmic force coming together to, to create this crazy stat that tailbacks only carried six times. Yep. All right, well, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back 
on the Sooners Extra podcast brought to you by Zaxby's. And we're back with the Sooners Extra podcast brought to you by Zaxby's. Ryan, what do you think the defense needs to do to improve this week against Iowa State? Oh, I, I think they need to do a couple things, but the, the main one is just contain better. And, it, it, you know, I think it, like uh, Alex Grinch said after the game, it wasn't that they had a ton of missed tackles against Kansas State, although they had some. It was a lot of times about just being out of position for them. And I think it's really going to start in that front seven. Uh, their, their secondary is thin, regardless of if uh, uh, Delarian Turner Yell uh, is back there and, and some of the other uh, issues that they've had on the back end. But they, they, if they, even if they have Turner Yell back there, they're still pretty thin at both corner and safety, as we found out when Parnell Motley got ejected, and they all of a sudden only have two scholarship cornerbacks uh, in the, the state of Kansas uh, in, in that game. So I think it's got to be the front seven. It's on them, especially the linebackers. Kenneth Murray didn't play much of a role against Kansas State. I think he's got to be much more active. And just being able to contain a guy like uh, like Brock Purdy and, and force him to make decisions quickly, if they can do that, then this defense can be pretty good. If they can't, as we saw last week or uh, a week and a half ago, then uh, things can fall apart on them. The uh, the OU defense is interesting. I think they're, they're clearly much better. But I think it's possible that what we can say about the OU defense, we can also say about the Sooners in total. They're a little bit of a soft 7-1. and one. Oh, o- yeah. Oklahoma's There's played, no Oklahoma's played two, ga- two games against teams with a winning record. They beat one of them by seven. They lost to the other one by seven. They've played the three weakest teams in the Big 12. Tech, West Virginia, Kansas clearly have set themselves as the, as the three worst teams. So, uh, De'Aaron King in Houston, that was a legitimate offense, and the Sooners played pretty well. That was impressive. So, you know, they've done some good things, but the idea that they had blossomed overnight into a, into a juggernaut, that was, that was fool's gold. And Kansas State exposed them, got out. They out schemed them, um, out executed them because Skylar Thompson played a fantastic game. So you know the, the this Oklahoma defense did not blossom overnight. It's it's a work in progress. They've had some good games. They had a bad game. They're going to have some more bad games. I'm afraid. Yeah, and it, you know the the turnover numbers are are really concerning there too because you know. Some of us had written about those in the, the weeks leading up to that K-State game, and I think a lot of people sort of shot it down as, oh, you know, they're not getting turnovers, but they're playing good defense, so what does it matter if they're getting turnovers because they're getting stops? But now they haven't had a turnover in over a month on the defensive side, and uh, that's something that Alex Grinch preached last year. Oklahoma had a historically low turnover number for the Sooners, the lowest in recorded history. This year, they're even on an even worse pace for turnovers. Uh, they got to start figuring out a way to, to make some of those happen. I know some of it is luck, but not all of it is luck. And uh, they've got to figure out a way to get the ball back in the hands of their offense uh, without just forcing punts because other teams are going to convert third downs on you. And it hadn't happened to them much before that K-State game, but it happened uh, in bunches against the Wildcats. I 
what do you think? What do you guys think about this? What's the chances that they're emphasizing it too much? I've literally never uh, heard. Hey. I've never heard any coaching staff emphasize takeaways in particular as much as this, as what's going on here. I think it tends. I think it's playing mind games with the guys maybe at times. They're, they're focusing so much on that that you can lose sight of some other things. And yeah, yeah. I, I I think that's a good that's a good question, and I, I think it's a good possibility that they are pushing it too much. And like I said, it messes with you when you get chances. It uh, makes you think about turnovers first instead of tackling first. When Alex Grinch has said, it, you know, the initial guy tries to get the tackle. Everybody else goes in for the strip. I think maybe uh, some of those guys get to thinking about uh, stripping and, and stuff like that before it needs to be thought of, and it just sort of weighs on you and, and gets magnified, I think, every week that they don't get a turnover. Yeah, especially because I remember that, you know, the week leading into that Kansas State game, as, as you kind of mentioned, everyone was talking about and writing about the turnovers and all all the players that we talked to were kind of, you know, mentioning that, they were really, you know, going to go out there and, and try to turn that around and try to, like, get a turnover for the first time in a while. And I think that that, yeah, like like Barry was saying, maybe the overemphasis is kind of, it's kind of, like, gone too far to the point where they're not really focusing on the solid things that they were doing earlier in the season. Well, you know, and here's the problem with – this idea that you can just create takeaways. Most takeaways, you need help. You know, if Oklahoma played whoever, Stanford. Oklahoma's playing Stanford. And Stanford spends all week talking nothing but takeaways, stripping the ball, hitting hard, causing fumbles. And OU goes out and loses four fumbles. The tailbacks fumble four times and lose them. Lincoln Riley's not going to come back and say, well, that Stanford team, they hit hard and they stripped the ball. He's going to say, we got to protect the ball better. So sometimes, it no, doesn't matter how good you are on defense, it doesn't mean you can take the ball. This is not the, this is not the uh, playground at, at, at fourth grade where the biggest bully gets, to, gets the lunch money. So the other team has something to do with it. If the running backs protect the ball, if the quarterback – makes good decisions and throws semi-accurately, it's tough to get a turnover. You know, I, I watched Oklahoma State play Iowa State two weeks ago, and Brock Purdy had four interceptions all season up until the last eight minutes of that game. Then he throws three picks in the last in the last eight minutes. Did all of a sudden OSU start playing different? Did Brock – what happened? Well, Brock Purdy made some mistakes is what happened. And so – you know, if, if the other team's not making mistakes, it's hard to create turnovers. Do you think then? Yeah, it, it be, is. But do you think uh, then that sorry, would be Abby. oh, sorry, that it would be better if the emphasis wasn't you know getting takeaways, getting turnovers, but instead um, just capitalizing on mistakes in whatever form that takes. You know, like there were, I believe there were a few times in the Kansas State game where they had a few. Um, had a few penalties and like got pushed back and were still able to make something happen because OU didn't didn't take advantage of that of those situations to get the 
to get the defense off the field and give the offense the ball back. So, you know, I think that the, it, a better focus for OU could just be more generally capitalizing on mistakes of the opponent's offense than just solely focusing on the the stat of turnovers. I I, I think that that's right, that I, that I think that uh, the emphasis, I think like Barry said, you know, the team on the other side has to make a mistake yeah. for a turnover to happen, but they've had some of those chances that, that they haven't been able to capitalize on. So it's all about capitalizing on those mistakes when they happen. And there and, are mistakes uh, you can make that don't necessarily lead to the other team picking up the ball, you know? So. Right, but they might, they might lead to, you know, a, a third and 14 instead of a, a third and six. So it's, uh, it, I mean, it's all about just taking advantage of, of what's in front of you. And I, I think for Oklahoma to this point, um, at least over the last month on defense, especially in that Kansas State game, they haven't been able to take advantage of the opportunities that they've had. Well, you know, it feels like if they could get a couple, it would take the lid off the pressure, off Grinch, off the defense, off everybody talking about it. That would be a really good thing. Um, But the truth of the matter is, before K-State, when they were playing Texas, when they were playing Tech, when they were playing UCLA, whoever, um, even when they weren't getting turnovers, they were playing good, solid defense, and that's really what you, what you want. You want the ball back. And if they yeah, get absolutely. it by punt, that's just fine. That's just fine. What do you guys think we'll see Saturday? Well, Iowa State, like I said, turned the ball over three mm-hmm. times in the last eight minutes of its previous game. So I'm sure the Cyclones have been up there really emphasizing taking care of the ball. So I can't – and Brock Purdy's a good quarterback. I can't see him coming throwing it around all over the place uh, up for grabs. So I'd be surprised if we saw a turnover flurry for Oklahoma. But, it, you know, it stands to reason that at some point they're going to get one or two. So um, if they can if they can just sort of play good, solid defense and, and maybe get a lead, then you sort of force Brock Purdy into making some throws. That's what happened his last two. Um, against OSU, he he probably wouldn't have made those throws in the second quarter, but in the fourth quarter, down seven, he needed to make them. So um, that's a key: is, is put some pressure on Iowa State and, and let the chips fall. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, th- I think that they're going to, at some point, those turnovers are going to come, and I think probably, if I had to bet, I put a, a bet that Oklahoma was going to force at least one turnover on Saturday. I don't think it's going to be a big time flurry like Barry was saying, but I think it's going to come. Um, so that's going to be something interesting to watch these next couple of weeks is, is when those turnovers start coming. And if they do, do they start coming in bunches? You know, they did a little bit last year at the end uh, in in, uh, in some of those games. The West Virginia game comes to mind. And obviously uh, the, the big, uh, you know, safety against uh, Texas. But, uh, you know, at some point the, the time starts running out on you and you just sort of are what you are. And this defense, to this point, outside of two weeks ago, have been really good, but hadn't forced a lot of turnovers. And that's something that you can take. Uh, but you know, if you're not going to get stops, then you better start getting turnovers in in big ways. All right. Well, we're going to take another break here, and we'll be right back with more of the Sooners Extra podcast, brought to you by Zaxby's. 
and we're back with the Sooners Extra podcast brought to you by Zaxby's. Barry, what do you remember about the Iowa State game in Norman two years ago? Well, I would just remember the stunningness of it all. You know, when you look at when you look at the Lincoln Riley football teams, the Riley era football teams, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19 this one as well. They're two-thirds of the way through. They made the playoff in 15, 17, and 18, in contention at least for a playoff berth this year. 16 lost, you know, to Ohio State and, and Houston and really never, never pushed for that. But out of those five teams, 2017 clearly was the best. That was a big-time team. Um, they were better on defense. That was Baker. As good as Kyler Murray was, as good as Jalen Hurts is, Baker, senior year, Baker was one heck of a quarterback and about as good as you could ever see. So that was that was the best team of the Lincoln-Riley era. And they had just come off, well, not just, a couple weeks earlier, they beat Ohio State. That was a great Ohio State team. They go to Columbus. Dominate the game, win 30 to 16, I think it was, or 31 16. 31 16. So um, that was a big time Oklahoma team. They go to play Georgia in the Rose Bowl. It goes double overtime, and Sooners have a 17 point lead. That's a team that could have won the national championship. They were good enough. And yet, that first Saturday in October in Norman against an Iowa State team that had shown nothing. No sign that Matt Campbell was elevating the program. Iowa State, with a third-team quarterback, takes it to the Sooners. And beats Oklahoma uh, 100% legit. 38-31, nothing flukish about it. That's what I remember is just how stunning it was. Looking back, we see that it was the elevation of Iowa State under Matt Campbell. But at the time, we had no idea. Uh, that they were capable of the capable of that, and we thought the Sooners were really good. They were really good. They just didn't play all that great on a Saturday when the other team played great and started believing in itself. Yeah, I mean, this was an Iowa State team that was two and two entering that game. They had uh, lost to Iowa and Texas. Their only wins uh, before that that season were Northern Iowa and Akron. Um, and I don't think a lot of people thought that the Cyclones were going much of anywhere there and certainly by the time we figured out what their quarterback situation was that day I think everybody sort of said oh there's going to just be another blowout I know that's what I thought uh, going into the game that the, the Sooners would you know run the Cyclones off the field it's been since 1990 since Iowa State had beaten Oklahoma and then uh, all of a sudden it turns out Matt Campbell's team's pretty good Alan Lazard turned out to be a fantastic wide receiver we saw him uh, come up uh, with uh, some big plays in that game. So, yeah, just the, the shockingness of it all, I think, here two years later is what stands out to me about that one. Yeah. Fun fact about um, that Iowa State game, that was the that was the Sooners' only regular season 11 a.m. game in 2017. That was something that I was looking at over the weekend. That's interesting. Yeah. A lot of, lot of mid-afternoon kicks that year. That was the year that Texas was at 2.30 just randomly so only 11 they played at 11, TCU at 11:30 for the Big 12 championship well, if regular season only 11 a.m. game well and if you remember um that's the game where Iowa State the Saturday morning of the game you remember you get the report their quarterback didn't even make the trip yeah uh, I forgot his name 
um, transfer. But um, and then Zeb Nolan was hurt or something, and this guy named Kyle Kemp had to mm-hmm. had to quarterback, and you really had never heard of him. And when, Jacob Park, by the way, yeah, Jacob Park. That's right from from South Carolina or someplace uh, somewhere in the SEC, I think. Or, that sounds right. Anyway, I remember writing about yeah, it. I don't remember any of the details. But oh, you think this is going to be this is going to be madness? The Sooners are going to roll up and down the field, and the defense is going to stop them. It's going to be sixty-six to nothing. And instead, you know, Iowa State had big time, still does, had some big time skilled players, David Montgomery and, and receivers like Hakeem Butler and, oh, uh, uh, Lazar, is it not Lazar Hayward? Um, Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard. Yeah, Alan Lazar Hayward was a Marquette basketball player who had a cup of coffee with the Thunder. But anyway, they, have, they had NFL caliber ball handlers. And Kyle Kemp was a guy who was just ready for the moment. And he came out and played well, delivered the ball on target. They had a great game plan. And, really showed you the power of belief and the power of trusting in your coaches and your teammates. And Iowa State, to their everlasting credit, got a great victory. And um, yeah, I, was, oh, go ahead. I was Abby, just going to say that um, for uh, where are they now, Kyle Kempt, um, in addition to uh, Joel Lanning, who was also pretty good on that team, um, they've both joined the Iowa State staff as quality control assistance according to a paper called the gazette this was fr- this was in july of this year so they're both part so cedar kyle rapids. kemp's part of the cedar rapids okay so kyle yeah kemp's and part uh, of the staff now i guess well good and jacob park who obviously didn't play in that game but played a big part in the the storyline as it played out is apparently now a, a quarterback at uh, missouri southern really interesting in joplin missouri southern's in joplin not that far away yeah Oh, that's cool beans. That's cool beans. But where are they now today on the Sooners Extra podcast? Well, I guess what do you guys think that OU needs to? So, first of all, that OU is now in a position that this game two years ago put them in. They're in the same position they were after they played Iowa State last year, but now it's just heading into that game. What do you guys think OU needs to do to avoid a repeat of? I, of the Cyclones' trip to Norman two years ago, and also a repeat of what happened to them two weeks ago in Manhattan. Well, I mean, I, the thing the thing that might be true about both of those games is that the Sooners might have took those teams lightly. There was, there was a little bit of evidence or, or testimony that that happened in Miami, happened. Manhattan. We know what happened against Iowa State two years ago. Um but beyond that, um, the defense needs uh, a few stops. It's hard to it's hard to get mad at the offense in Manhattan. I mean, they scored they scored forty one points in eleven possessions. That should be enough to win any game. So the defense has to play better. Um, don't make some critical errors. You know, the uh, the. Uh, who was it? Oh, Charleston Rambo. The Charleston Rambo dropped there at the end of the first half that led to a long interception return and subsequent touchdown. That was a huge play. That turned that game around, I thought. Um, OU, I think, could have had a, a six or even a ten-point lead at halftime. Instead, they trail. So avoid the cataclysmic play and play some pretty good defense or decent defense. You're probably going to win the game. Yeah, and I mean, to your point about taking them lightly, you know, last week I talked to um, former defensive back Johnson 
um, for a story that I was doing on just what these type of losses do to to us to the Sooners and he was talking about how um, a, like a loss like that kind of teaches you that you can't take any team for granted and that you really have to um, be it puts you on edge every game is, is what he said and I think that you know, I think that that one, this one, probably did that for them as well. Yeah, and you would think that Oklahoma would have been on edge for this game anyway. Again, I would say it's the first game back since 2017, and there's you know a handful of players from that team who played roles who are still uh, still around for this game, and like uh, Kenneth Murray and, and C.D. Lamb and, mm-hmm. and guys like that. So you would think, you know, as much as they say uh, we're not really thinking about 2017 i'm sure it would have played a role i think now it doesn't really matter because oklahoma is going to be on edge anyway after losing two weeks ago so like barry said just avoid the just sort of uh trying to think of a different word other than cataclysmic but i keep coming to cataclysmic the word that he used you avoid those massive things happening to you and you're probably going to get out with the win but uh i would say it's a good football team and if you do those things they can certainly take advantage of. Well, it's uh, like I said, Sooners have avoided most of the good teams in the Big 12. That changes down the stretch when they've got what I consider to be, well, in my rankings, I've got four of the top six um, still on the OU schedule. uh, The rest of the top six, one of them's OU, one of them is uh, Kansas State, which they lost to. So, Things are about to get tougher for the Sooners. And it's time they uh, they say they uh, are a college football playoff-worthy uh, team. We'll see. This is the time to prove it. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any? Yeah, we knew that. Oh, sorry, you, Abby. You, we you knew. <laughs> okay. We knew that Oklahoma's schedule was backloaded this year, that November would be a whole lot tougher than, than October and, and September before that. But I think it's even more so than we thought because of the way the league is, is split up. And I, I think, you know, there was a, a school of thought that uh, Oklahoma was, you know, head, head and shoulders above everybody else in the Big 12 and that Texas and Iowa State were right there. But there there uh, was a little bit of a gap there between them and Baylor. Of course, it turns out Baylor's pretty good, especially on defense. We'll see how Oklahoma handles them in a couple of weeks. But, uh, yeah, we knew that November was going to be tough for the Sooners, but I think it's even tougher – uh, than we had imagined at the time. I mean, it's championship November, just the way they say they like it. Been uh, very good. They've been very good in November for a long time. Yep. For a long time. Uh, you guys have any predictions for the game to wrap this up? I, you know, I went. I went fairly moderate. Although, I mean, I went Sooners forty-two twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'd be a good solid win for Oklahoma if they can, you know, win by two touchdowns. Yeah, I think I I have them winning by about by about the same amount. I think that's yeah, what they need to get back on track too. Yeah, I went forty-one twenty-four. No, let's see here, thirty-eight twenty-one. Uh, Sooners over Iowa State. So yeah, if they do that, if they win by you know two touchdowns, seventeen points, they got to be feeling really good about themselves uh, entering what should be a big time showdown next week in Waco against Baylor. All right, well, that's it from us here at the Sooners Extra podcast. You can find our content every day online at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman. 
The Sooners Extra podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads? Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast.